Did the Cardinals choose the right starting pitchers this offseason? We're going to talk with RedwoodRants.com's Thomas Govain about that and get his thoughts on what John Mozalak said over the weekend, all on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Haffern, and I'm a national radio sports anchor. Born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter, X at J.D. Sports Radio, as well as the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. We want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day, free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment when you do get over to the YouTube page. We love interacting with you. Make sure you hit that notification button so you're not missing out on any of the new episodes when they do get posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans of baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So welcome back to another episode of Locked on Cardinals. And if you haven't noticed, uh, we are in what we call the uh, off-season schedule at the moment of the podcast. So it's not an everyday mode type of thing. But, uh, you know, as long as there's stuff to talk about, we're going to be here for it. So uh, today, we've got a guest. If you haven't been able, you can tell on YouTube, obviously. If you're on the audio version, you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But Thomas Covey from RedbirdRants.com joining us. Happy holidays, Thomas. How are you? Things, buddy. Oh, doing pretty well here, J.D. How are you? I'm doing all right, doing all right. Uh, I'm starting to get a little anxious, and I think a lot of Cardinals fans are feeling the same way because everything started off so quick with the team, and then it's been kind of silent as some of the bigger names, you know, get talked about a lot more. You know, guys like Shohei Otani, we're waiting on the Yamamoto stuff right now. So it's kind of got a, a freeze on everything that's going on in the market. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Thomas, he has been on here before. We discussed uh, some of the previous trades that the Cardinals, I, I think most people would say backfired uh, previously, even though in the moment, I think we both decided like it was probably the right idea for them to make those moves at the time. We're talking about Alcantara, Gallen, Rosarena, but things didn't quite work out the way they had hoped it yeah, that happens because you know no gm is perfect no team is immune to bad deals it's just part of uh the whole business of it all but uh, as fans we like to go back and we like to uh second guess the deals especially when they don't work out it's just fun for us uh and uh we saw online today that there were actually two deals which you know i thought it was funny that you and i were getting together today to talk about this yeah. stuff because there were two deals that the cardinals made on the state previously that at the time seemed like good ideas and didn't work out. Uh, first one, 2001, is the uh, Tino Martinez signing. Mark McGuire had retired at the time, and uh, on paper seemed like a good idea. Uh, 34 bombs, drove at 113 the previous year with the Yankees, but those numbers dipped over the next two years, 21 and 75 in the first year. Second year, they dropped to 15 and 69. And uh, I don't know, Tino just never seemed comfortable in St. Louis. And then in 2004, since we're talking about pitching a lot today uh the mark Mulder deal goes down on this date in 2004 with the oakland a's we swapped uh dan heron kiko calero and Derek barton 
for Mark Mulder, who, if you remember, Thomas, in his prime right there. We talk, I think he's yeah. 26, 27 years old, back-to-back All-Star appearance in and gotten signed young votes previously. Uh, the Cardinals ended up getting just one good full season out of him in 2005, where he was 16-8, and 3.64 ERA. Next year, gets off to this great start, and then things go south quick. He starts dealing with uh, some shoulder issues, turns into rotator cuff surgery, and really – Never the same after that. Was never healthy after that. Uh, he actually did. Do you remember this? He tried to make a comeback with the Angels and then ended up tearing his Achilles tendon. I don't and, remember that, no. Yeah, and then, and then that just got squashed. And he even said something about, like, he was worried that he wouldn't be able to be healthy enough uh, to come back for a, for a comeback and uh, turned out to be true. Uh, <laughs> so there's just a couple of deals that just didn't work out. We don't know how these deals are going to work out that the Cardinals have already signed on to for this season and the future. But um, I want to get your opinion before we get to some of the people who have signed elsewhere, which is what your article at redbirdranch.com is about. First, your thoughts on the signings of each of these guys. We'll start with the initial signing. Lance Lynn was the first one out of the box. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw that Lance Lynn was coming back to St. Louis? That one really surprised me. I knew we'd go for a fourth or fifth starter to fill out mm-hmm. the rotation. I figured we'd get two guys above Michaelis and Matts and then a guy at the back end to fill in some innings. I didn't think it'd be Lance Lynn. I really thought that his relationship in St. Louis had soured. But when I heard his name, I thought, okay, let's go look back on what he did with the White Sox. And that wasn't very promising. And then I thought, okay, the White Sox have been a pretty bad organization for the last few years. So maybe this will work out for the team. Like Mosaic said, I think they signed both Lynn and Gibson, but especially Lance Lynn for a few reasons. One, they needed the innings. Two, they needed to build up that clubhouse culture and get some fire behind the guys. And then three, Lance Lynn had a clear desire to be back in St. Louis. So I think that those three things combined made him a very attractive candidate. And uh, and I've brought this up before. I, we know the home run numbers were crazy against Lance Lynn last year, which was an anomaly because it's not normally something that he – deals with like every pitcher gives up home runs except for Sonny Gray who doesn't give up any hardly at all but uh Lance Lynn is somebody that's been pretty good over the years as far as the amount of long balls that he gives up and then last year just out of nowhere it just doubles and you know maybe the the Cardinals picked up on something that they were like you know if he just did this because he was better with the Dodgers you saw his last game was not so good in the playoffs but um he was better with the Dodgers after he left Chicago so uh something to build upon there and I've liked what I've heard about Lynn this offseason and interviews I've seen where he is quite dedicated to getting back in shape if you saw him at the end of last year the guy had eaten a little bit. He, he put on a couple of pounds over the years since we last saw him in a Cardinals uniform. And uh, he appears to have rededicated himself to, to have a comeback year, to be strong mentally and physically, ready to prove some people wrong uh, coming up in 2024, which is something that the Cardinals desperately need him to be much better than he was yeah. last year. Uh, the next signing ended up being Kyle Gibson. This one kind of threw people off because we weren't expecting another back end of the rotation guy. We thought that they were going to start diving into the, you know, the aces, if you will. And then Kyle Gibson's name comes up. What were your thoughts when you saw that happen? The exact same thing as the rest of the fans. I, I thought, okay, we've got Lance Lynn. We're good. We're going to trade for a guy who's a number two or a three and then sign an ace for the squad. But then when I hear Kyle Gibson, I thought, really, I thought he'd be the number five for us to sign. To have two yeah. of those guys didn't seem to make much sense for me. I think he's got promise. I mean, 17 quality starts last year is admirable. He was on a pretty potent offense, but the Cardinals also have a really deep offense too. 
I think he'd slot in very well, even as the number three starter for us, if if Michaelis or if Michaelis improves to what he hasn't been in the past, or if Steven Matz is healthier for a full year, I think Kyle Gibson could slot in behind either one of those. He's got the potential to go five, six innings, give up three, four runs. And honestly, if you get that every five days, that's a pretty good stat line out of back end guy. Yeah, the idea of, uh, and I had the stat, I'll look it up again, but it was something about when you have pitchers that go six or more innings, if your starter goes six or more innings, it's like a crazy record. Six plus mm-hmm. innings over the last three seasons, the Cardinals winning percentage is 663. They're 122 and 62 yeah. with six plus innings from their starter. And that's something that Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson do. Yes, they give up hits, but that was something that the Cardinals clearly looked at and go, this is what we need. Okay, they don't have to be guys who only give up two earned runs a game like they don't have to be that level. We need somebody who's just going to be there every single day and can answer the bell. And if they can give us those six innings, clearly we're a much better team and we end up winning that way. Um, Last year, they were 35 and 25 in six plus innings. If they went fewer than six for the starters, uh, 132 and 170 over the last three years. So it's a big difference. It's <laughs> yeah, a big it's difference. So and you don't even need them to, you don't need them to go seven, eight innings. You don't need them to give up one or two runs. You just need them five, six, clean, two, three, four run games. And yeah, hopefully yeah. we should figure and, it out. And the Cardinals offense, we think when they were healthy last year, they were a top 10 offense. After things got out of hand and people were getting traded and injuries mounted, like they were not the same offense over the last couple of months. So, uh, you know, when you look at the overall numbers, you're like, they really weren't that good. That's not exactly true. You got to look a little deeper into it. And then, of course, the Sonny Gray signing. I mean, how many times do you get a chance to bring in a guy who just finished second in the Cy Young voting? Age 34. Okay, but still, obviously, a healthy guy takes great care of himself and really wanted to be in St. Louis, which was huge. Yes, and the interview when he was first brought on was very promising. He seems like a really intelligent guy and knows what he's talking about. The ba- I mean, I don't know many guys who bring a baseball to a jersey <laughs> ceremony. Like, Just the fact that he had that and was able to talk to the reporters pretty candidly about his plans. And I remember he said something about bringing a drive to the, to the rotation and having everybody push each other. That's something we didn't hear very often last year. It felt like, especially with the Contreras situation, each pitcher was for himself. And now to add in Sonny Gray that provides that drive and wants to connect everybody and work together, that alone, in addition to his number two in the Cy Young voting, that those two things should improve the rotation pretty heavily. Yeah, and I think that's another side of this, too, is like we look at stats and the numbers and, you know, that's what we do in baseball. But when you look at the personalities of the people that they brought in and trying to rid themselves of some of the bad personalities that were in the clubhouse last year. We're not pointing fingers at anybody, but you've seen who's been shipped out and who's no longer here anymore. There's a reason for that. And they wanted to bring guys that are basically baseball junkies is what it seems like to me. And uh, they're trying to turn the culture around inside that clubhouse. It got stale. It wasn't, it didn't say, I know losing's not fun, but it just, there was never that camaraderie vibe feel at all last year. And uh, that was sorely missing. So hopefully these three additions are going to be something that, that, that brings that back. Now, We can blow sunshine and rainbows up your butts all day about these three guys and give you the good side of it. There were plenty of other names out there, Thomas, that the Cardinals could have gone after. Instead, 
of those three instead of Sonny Gray, Kyle Gibson, and Lance Lynn. And uh, you recently put out an article about them at redbirdrants.com. We're going to jump into those names and talk about them. Which ones do you think were wise decisions to stay away from? And which one you're like, ah, size that we missed out on that. So we'll have more with Thomas coming up next here on Locked on Cardinals. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, you've been on the fence a little bit, no better time to get in on the action. Not only do you have NFL going on, but you've also got the NHL. You've got the NBA. We've still got college football going on, college basketball going on as well. So plenty of different ways that you can place bets, spreads, Player props is something I'm getting really, really addicted to because it's just a lot of fun, especially when you're watching a game and it's not a team that you really care whether or not they win or lose. You know, it's kind of like with fantasy football. You watch some of these games and you could care less whoever wins. You just want to see the stats. And that's what player prop bets are all about. Uh, Monday Night Football tonight, you've got the Eagles who have been struggling, uh, have a sick quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Headed to Seattle to face the Seahawks, who have injury concerns of their own at quarterback with Geno Smith. Um, I need a, a monster day from Devontae Smith in fantasy so uh, I can move on into the finals. It's not looking good. I had a rough go. Steelers injuring half my team. Not cool. Took out Zach Moss and Michael Pittman Jr. Basically ruined my fantasy championship hopes. But even though the fantasy season may be over for a lot of us, it doesn't mean you can't still have fun watching these games and win money with FanDuel. Enjoy the games that are remaining with those prop bets. That's what I plan on doing. You should do it as well. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Once again, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows, which cover every league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Again, thank you for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. Leave your comments on YouTube as well as on Twitter. X anytime you guys want. Feedback always welcome and encourage. Uh, encourage. We got Thomas Govain from RedbirdRants.com. You can reach him on Twitter as well if you uh, have any comments or suggestions about the list he's come up with here today. You can see this article at RedbirdRants.com. He called it Wise in Size with uh, basically – Rating some of the uh, other names that were out there and available that the Cardinals could have gone in that direction. They decided not to, and these guys have all signed elsewhere. So we're going to start with the first name on your list, and that was Tyler Malley. Uh, we remember him with the Reds, was with the Twins the last couple of years, uh, but has been hurt. Uh, they paid quite the price to get him, by the way. They gave up Spencer Steer and Christian Encarnacion <laughs> Strand to get Tyler Malley out of yeah. Cincinnati, and he really didn't do much for the Twins because of injuries has signed with the Rangers. Was he wise to stay away, or is that a sigh for you, Thomas? See, I think it's a sigh, and I, this was the one I went back and forth the most on. He's young. He's only 29. He'll probably be out for about half the season. I would imagine he comes back around August. But he, he's been really good for his career, even last year in just 25 innings. He had an ERA in the low threes. He had 28 strikeouts in just 25 innings. His whip was crazy low, near one, so – I think he's a sigh, but I could see pause given his injury history. I mean, he'll be out for most of the year. I don't think he'll get near 100 innings this year, 
but he was signed to a two-year contract. I would imagine the Rangers are betting on him in 2025 more than they are in 2024. Speaking of the Rangers, like, think about this. Max Scherzer's hurt now. Uh, you already know they're out without DeGrom. You've got Malley, who's not ready. Who's starting for the Rangers all of a sudden? Like, is it shocking to you that Jordan Montgomery, they haven't scooped him up already? Or do you think it's just yeah. kind of waiting on this Yamamoto stuff before they finally put the pen to paper there? Uh, they might be waiting on Montgomery. I know they're also hampered with their Valley sports deal the same way that other teams are. I've, I've read a couple of things about how the Rangers are looking to hold back and not spend too much. I don't see why Montgomery wouldn't want to come back there. Something about winning right? a championship really <laughs> makes you want to go back to the team you played for. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'd love to have them in St. Louis. Not sure if that's uh, a feasible thing at this point, but you never know. They they never closed the door on that. So mm -hmm. uh, that was something that surprised me a little bit, considering they didn't give him the extension that he might have wanted, uh, or at least talked about it uh, in spring training before last year. All right, moving on to your list here. Luis Severino. A few years ago, this guy was going to be the man for the Yankees, and then injuries derailed his once-promising career, ends up with the Mets this year. Is that a wise move or a sigh for you that the Cardinals didn't go for him? We were very wise to stay away from him in my mind. <laughs> um, he's 30, so a little bit younger, but after looking at the stats for the predictions in his last few years, it's the same price as Gibson and Lynn, but for significantly fewer innings and significantly less value in production. Um, it was one year, $13 million. He hasn't been good since 2018. He's been injured five or six different ways all across his arm. His ERA is supposed to be near five, which Gibson and Lynn are there as well, but we're getting another 60, 70 innings out of the other two apiece. So for those facts alone, I don't think that Severino was someone we should have gone for. Yeah, and again, uh, the Cardinals, when you we saw Gibson and we see Lynn, it's that they're healthy more times than not, and they're there all the time. And when you see some of these names are going through, uh, injuries have been a big problem for these guys. And I, I think that that's part of the reason the Cardinals stayed away from them is just because, yeah, they may be good in those 140 innings, but that's all we're going to get out of them. We don't need another Steven Matz <laughs> to worry right. about in this rotation. So uh, how about another name that Cardinal fans quite familiar with? Michael Waka. Injuries derailed his time in St. Louis. He ends up bouncing around to the Mets, and then he goes to the Rays, and then he finds new life in Boston and pitches very well for San Diego, has ended up signing with Kansas City. Is he wise, or is he a sigh for you? That's a sigh, and it's probably partial fanhood showing there, but I loved Walker <laughs> when he was here. He Tall guy, good pitcher, seemed like he had it all together. I'm a little bit lucky because I'm not here in Kansas City. I'll get to go watch him play for the Royals a couple times and see how he turns out there, but... He's been really good for the Padres the last few years. Uh, 116 ER or whip, under four FIP, low threes ERA last year. His strikeout numbers aren't the best, but he's somewhere in between Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson in the mid eight, eight strikeouts per nine innings. I think he might be one that we're going to miss on. If he would have been the second guy we signed or even the third guy after Lynn or Gibson and then Sonny Gray, I think the offseason would have much different light on it. We don't need him to get 170 innings. If we get Gibson or Lynn and Sonny Gray, we could probably afford someone in the 130s, 140s for innings at that point with his projected talent. 
Yeah, and he was a guy that a lot of people, like you said, it's a sentimental value of Michael mm-hmm. Waka, who was really, really good for the Cardinals until the shoulder issues started popping up. And then, uh, you know, former first-round pick, and everybody loved him while he was here. So uh, another name on your list is a guy that I don't know. Sometimes you you find people that are like, you know what, I, I think we're going to miss Jack Flaherty. Other people are glad that he's left town. They uh, just had no interest in seeing him around here anymore. Uh, the big trade during the uh, deadline this past year, we trade him to Baltimore. Ends up signing with the Detroit Tigers after rumors he might end up in Pittsburgh. Is that a wise move to move on, or is that a sigh for you? I thought we were wise to move on from him. Uh, he has Walk numbers were crazy last year. He was giving up hits and home runs at rates we hadn't seen before. His strikeouts were near his career averages, but still weren't what we needed out of him, especially as he was projected to be our number one or number two guy. Just didn't happen. Uh, Baseball reference has him for 133 innings with a high four ERA. Walk rates down, but it's still near four walks per nine innings. Those just aren't numbers we can rely on out of someone who we're needing as a number three, number two four pitcher in our rotation for next year. So I think we were wise to stay away from him. His price is fine. He's young, but I think he's looking more for a prove it deal. And we're looking for someone who can lead us, you know? Yeah. And then you, you know, you can just, sometimes you can just sense it with a player, even as a fan, when you're not in their clubhouse every day, that everybody's just ready to kind of turn the page. And it just kind of felt that way with Jack that, you know, that was the last year of his deal hoping for the best that he would be great for them last year. And it just was more of the same. And that was it. That was, you know, the Cardinals have devoted a lot of time and effort into getting him back onto the mound full-time healthy. Cause a few years ago, you see him as one of these young aces. that's going to be a superstar in the league. And it just never materialized after those injuries started on him. So an unfortunate thing, uh, but you know, we wish him the best of luck. You know, he's some guy that, you know, Detroit signs him. And if things don't work out with them in tight, they can flip them at the deadline and maybe get more prospects for them. So not a horrible move, but yeah, I just think it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about Kenta Maeda from the Twins? Goes to uh, the Tigers as well. Uh, he was a guy I had interest in as one of those back-of-the-end rotation guys because after coming back from injury last year, he was pretty darn good with Minnesota. Yeah, he was. He was actually probably one of my favorites out of this list. Usually you see a lot of progression from players their second year back from Tommy John. This would be his second year back. It was a weird year, but he did play second in Cy Young in 20 with mm. crazy good numbers for the Dodgers. Um, 392 ERA last year, almost 10 Ks per nine innings. He's not expected to get too many innings this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 130. And that's a pretty solid number out of a back end rotation guy who's only getting the ball once every five days. His ERA looks a little bit high for projections. I think baseball reference had him near four and a half. I would expect him to be more close a little bit closer to his career average at three, nine. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he hits below four for his ERA next year. He's, he's going to get good strikeout numbers better than both Lynn and Gibson. So I, I, I think that we're going to regret him the most out of everybody on this list. And one final name that you have here. Uh, once again, you can check out this full article at redbirdrants.com. Seth Lugo. We brought him up a lot on this podcast because he was another one of those names that was going to be, under the radar, I didn't think you were going to have to pay that much for him. Ends up getting a pretty strong deal. Uh, once again, from the Kansas City Royals, who spent some money this offseason, goes from San Diego to Kansas City. Wise or sigh for Seth Lugo? I think we're going to miss out on him as a sigh. Uh, first of all, the Royals and the Tigers are ridiculously active. I don't know what's going on in the AL Central this year. <laughs> but 
I saw Eno Saris describe Seth Lugo as a poor man, Sonny Gray at one point, so whatever that means, but um, <laughs> he's, he'll probably have a pretty good year. It's three years, $45 million. So the most expensive between him, Gibson and Lynn, but he'll have fantastic numbers. ERA sub four K's near nine for nine innings. Good whip. He'll be a safe bet. His walk rate is crazy low for his career. It's six and a half percent. So he's not going to put himself in trouble. He's a reliable number four, maybe number three starter for most rotations. So just to recap, out of the uh, names that we've listed here, you've got Mally, Severino, Waka, Flaherty, Maeda, and Lugo. Uh, which ones of those on the list there are you thinking might have been better signings than what the Cardinals are going to get out of Gibson and Lim this year? That's why we can mark it down. And that way, if you're right, we high-five you later. If you're wrong, we get to come back and make fun of you. <laughs> no, if we're wrong, we just we just take down the article and we move on. That's right. That's right. We will yeah. forget this whole episode even occurred. <laughs> right. Um, I had Mally, Michael Waka, uh, Kent Maeda, and Seth Lugo as people we might regret not signing over Gibson and Lynn. And, and it's hard to disagree with any of those, to be honest. You know, those are uh, – all strong candidates that, I mean, when the Cardinals were looking for the guys at the back of the bowl or the back of the rotation, any of them would have fit nice as the number four, number five Cardinals went in this direction. We'll see if it pays off uh, after the 2024 season. Cause uh, it's not like the Cardinals locked uh, Gibson and Lynn up for a long time. They got him for one year with options. So uh, we're going to find out sooner rather than later, whether it were smart moves or stupid. So uh, we'll get into more news from around the league. I want to talk about the bullpen and what John Mozalock said uh, on KMOX on Sunday. We'll be doing that next year on Locked on Cardinals. Once again, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Uh, John Mozalock on KMOX on Sunday. Um, by the way, joined by Thomas Covain for BreadburnRants.com. Uh, but Mo was on KMOX on Sunday, does an interview talking about just pretty much anything and everything that's gone on this offseason thus far. One of the quotes, though, that uh, people have brought up, and in fact, you, sir, Thomas, have uh, put up a little something about it at RedbirdRants.com. Didn't even know you had it up there until we got ready to start this thing. But uh, the quote is, we actually like our bullpen. I think that Helsley, Gallegos, and Romero are a pretty good way to finish a game, and they give you some flexibility. I do feel like Gallegos did not have the year he hoped last year, but I think ending the season on the IL gave him additional time to rest. When you hear that, how does that make you feel about what John Mosellock might do moving on here in this offseason? Uh, for the bullpen, not very promising. I know they had two guys come out to the Bush Stadium recently uh, to interview probably bullpen guys. Uh, one of them was Yuki Matsui. The other one's Mystery. I wouldn't be surprised if it were if it were Wu Suck Go. But based on that quote, he seems pretty confident with who he has, especially after adding Rule five draft guy and uh, trade with Tyler O'Neill. I would imagine the bullpen's pretty much set. You've got Libby and Thompson who can fill in as long relief guys. You've got Andre Palante who's working on some stuff this offseason. Now, when you see the names of the bullpen and you see how horrible they were as a whole last year, and you got rid of two of the guys who were actually good in Stratton and Jordan Hicks. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I bring you Ryan Fernandez. I bring you Nick Robertson. You got Gio. You got John King, Jojo Romero, Helsley, Riley O'Brien. People forget about that addition. Adam Kloffenstein's on the 40 uh, bullpen guy that they got at the deadline. Zach Thompson, James Nail is still with us. Andre Palante, Guillermo Zuniga. And then uh, Andre Granillo is a, is a guy that I actually have some high hopes for that I, I think he might be a surprise fit for everything. You see it, I'm just like, bro, you can't tell me that you're just going to trust that that's going to do it. Like, the, like don't, don't you feel like that at least one – I'm not saying it has to be a superstar. No, I'm not saying like a Josh Hader because that's crazy talk because he's going to get unbelievable money from somebody else. But a guy like – I'm excited about the idea of a Yuki Matsui. I, I think something from the international market still feels like it's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to be, but it still feels like it's there. But other guys like uh, David Robertson or Robert Stevenson or uh, Aroldis Chapman's out there, for God's sake. It just feels like there's like they just need one guy that you just know is not a huge question mark would be so meaningful to this bullpen. Would you agree with that? I do, and I've even thrown out the name Matt Moore. He was with the Angels last yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's plenty of guys who have seventh, eighth inning experience that have been solid. They're not going to blow anybody away, but they're also not going to lose you a game at the end of it. And I, just what Gallegos had last year, I know he was hurt here and there. I just don't fully trust him in the eighth inning with the yeah. two-run lead. Helsley, I expect to get back to where he was. I think he'll be all-star again. But the other guys, you, you really need two, three strong back-end guys at this point with how starting pitchers have been going out of games early. Yeah, and I'm not saying you need superstars to fill out your whole bullpen or anything, but you need two or three dudes. And we know how Helsley, how fragile he's been over the last couple of years. Amazing when he's out there for the most part, but you know that there's going to be limitations. He's probably going to go down with an injury at some point, at least for a little bit, hopefully nothing major, but that's where you need somebody – that you can trust to close out games at the end of the season. You know, Geo, just the metrics are bad, man. They're going in the wrong direction. And uh, I don't mind moving him up into like the sixth and seventh inning type right. of roles instead of having him in the eighth inning and being stuck with that. So that's why some of these other names I look at, I'm like, it just would make a lot of sense mm -hmm. to get at least one, maybe even two of them just to solidify things. And then if things break down, you got – Plenty of these other names. You have a Ryan Fernandez and a Nick Robertson as depth, you know, in those situations. And maybe they surprise us and uh, end up having good years. So uh, they're just such a big question mark that it, it worries me. It worries me that I don't have anybody back there that I can trust. Um, and when Ryan Helsley is the guy you have the most trust in and you don't know if he can take the ball on back-to-back -back days, um, what are we doing here? What are we yep. doing? All right. Yep. One final question for you uh, because uh, Mo also – hinted a little bit about the rotation where like he's not necessarily done with it, but it doesn't sound like a lot's going on there. Are the dreams of Cardinal fans for a uh, Dylan Cease or a Shane Bieber trade? Are, are those over? Are, are, we, are we saying they, those have been squashed and we're done? Probably for the Cardinals. I don't, if Cease is still around at the deadline, I've heard reports that he's more than likely gone before the season even starts. If Cease is still around at the trade deadline, I really wouldn't be surprised if we make a huge push for him then. He'll be a little bit cheaper as far as prospect capital and player capital. I would imagine Shane Bieber goes somebody else, somewhere else who misses out on Yamamoto or Blake Snell or Jordan mm -hmm. Montgomery. I think with Mosaic spending so much early, he feels more comfortable sitting back. So I would imagine we're out of the trade and even the Yamamoto sweepstakes at this point. Yeah. Yeah. The Yamamoto <laughs> stuff is pretty, 
that's been gone for a while in my eyes. So yeah. uh, I think a lot of people are still waiting on to see what will happen with him. And then you'll see, like you mentioned, the trickle down effect of other teams who missed out on him are going to turn to different directions on how to get their, uh, get their ace that uh, that they were missing when uh, looking for Yamamoto. So uh, we'll play the waiting game. We'll see what happens, but uh, that's what we got for you. So uh, redbirdrants.com. That's where you can read Thomas's work, all kinds of great stuff and uh, just interesting reading available to you on there. Rumors and news. They got it all for you. So check them out at redbirdrants.com. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Cardinals first listen every day. If you haven't already, please give Thomas and myself a follow on Twitter. You can find me at JD Sports Radio and at LO underscore Cardinals. Like, subscribe on YouTube, help the channel, and love for the Cardinals grow. Thomas, thank you for uh, taking some time out and joining us here today, buddy. All right. Thank you, JD. Have a good holiday season. You as well. You guys are the best fans of baseball for a reason. We'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals.